0: It's the Ramsey Show, where debt is dumb, cash is king, and the paid-off home mortgage has taken the place of the BMW as the status symbol of choice. We help people build wealth, do work that they really love, and create actual amazing relationships. Christina Ellis, number one best-selling author, Ramsey Personalities, my co-host today as we answer your questions about your life and your money. The call is free, and some say the advice is worth exactly what you pay for it. The phone number is 888-825-5225. That's 888-825-5225. We're going to start off with Scott this hour in Fort Lauderdale. Hey, Scott, how are you? I'm good, Dave. How are you? Better than I deserve. What's up? What's up? So i work
1: for a, uh, for a company that I get 10% of my salary, the ability to purchase company stock. Um, The stock has been very, very fruitful over the 10 years that I've worked for the company. Um, The way our, our stock purchase works is that we get to purchase the 10% of our salary twice a year in a six month period at 15% below the lowest point in that six month period. So the, the, the sometimes when I get these the stock at the six months, it can be forty, fifty dollars a share better than the market value at the time. When I I read Baby Steps Millionaire and The Money Makeover, you talk more about putting your retirement into mutual funds. I've kind of considered that ten percent as being my part of my retirement. Of I take sixteen percent out of my total salary with 6% in a 401k that, that my company matches. And then the other 10% is in company stock. Um, and the stock has done nothing but gain in the, in the nine years that I've been there and it's some big jumps as well. So do I leave that in there and consider that, that still 10% of my retirement or do I switch it? Like you talk about in the money makeover
0: to mutual funds. Well, congratulations. Sounds like you've hit a home run, man. It feels kind of good. And so, um, yeah, your theory has not been stress tested yet. (laughs) (laughs) And uh, that'll come along. Okay. Let me give you a couple observations first. Uh, Number one, your company stock purchase plan is no different than most of them. They're almost all exactly what you described, 15% below, lowest to the six-month average, whatever. OK, uh, and so it's not like you're getting some huge discount that other people that have a, that work for a publicly traded company with stock options don't get. It's almost always exactly what you outline. Very, very similar, if not. So uh, it's good, but it's not the biggest deal. In most cases, okay. if you look at a 52 week high, 52 week low on the charts, you will see a move of uh, most stocks more than 15 percent up or down. And okay. so that 15% discount can, as you said, cause, because it's down, cause a, uh, a great purchase price, but also can cause, um, you know, it can evaporate in about an eye blink uh, okay. because, just because of the normal volatility of stock. Uh, observation number one. Observation number two, single stocks are more risky than mutual funds. Okay. Period. No exceptions. Because... Okay you're you're violating the diversification rule of you know you got all your eggs in one basket or at least that number of eggs are all in that one basket um and so it's you're taking more risk even though you've had the benefit of this company doing very well it's gone up gone up gone up i'm happy for you i'm glad it went up i don't want you to have hard times uh but uh but that can that can gloss over the fact that you're taking risk because you haven't had a loss You've not anything that scared you, that woke you up and went, oh, this is risky. So what we tell folks to do, our our standard rule of thumb, is uh, don't put more than 10% of your net worth in single stocks. And you currently have more than that with the formula you're giving me. Okay. Okay. So the example of that always comes back to my mind was many years ago, I was coaching a, a lady that had worked for Procter & Gamble, which is a fine company. She had eight hundred thousand dollars in her four hundred one k. It was all in company stock. It went in half the year she retired.
1: So I don't. None of my four hundred one k is in. I work for Apple. Is is in Apple stock? The oh, stock Jesus. that's a wonderful is, stock. Yeah. The the stock purchase is a total separate deal. And to be honest with you, Dave, I, I haven't. um I'm recently divorced a couple of years, and I was um, lucky to get out and be debt free. And, you know, I've I never really read your books because I never had any, I didn't have any debt. But after watching you with Robert Morris, I, uh, I, I downloaded the first book and then went to the second book, and well, it really you. motivated me to kind of get my act together. Yeah, uh, well, you're, so, so I,
0: Ecclesiastes says, spread your portions to seven, yes to eight, for disaster may come upon the land. And Apple yeah. is about as, uh, it's about as wonderful a single stock story as there is on the planet.
2: Yeah,
1: yeah it's but. doubled. It's yeah. doubled. Yeah, it's crazy. they have to get rid of some of it. They have more money in, than Egypt.
0: They really do. <laughs> I <don't know> <laughs> they actually have more cash than Egypt. It's an incredible company. <laughs>
2: Hey, you mentioned you read the first two books and that you originally had kind of stayed away because you weren't in debt, but I recommend you pick up uh, Baby Step Millionaires. Maybe he did. Can... That's what he's
1: talking about. Oh, perfect. Oh, I did. I did. I read. No, I read both of the books. I've actually listened to probably, probably three times each.
0: Well, thank you. Um,
1: so the, the whole um, question is,
0: Do you how much risk do you want to take? And And I think we can all stand up and cheer and say Apple has done a wonderful job. Of all the single stocks out there, it's the one that might be the most tempting. It is an unbelievable story. Uh, but I still, I, I'm just risk averse enough to say, okay, I'm going with the scripture says spread my portions to seven yes, to eight. I don't want my whole deal on one company and you don't have your whole deal, but you got a lot of it. And so I'm probably going to be a little less apple prone. If I'm you, if I was ever going to do what you're doing, it would be that company. Oh my God, it's wonderful. Okay. So, you know, if you want to keep doing it, keep doing it. I just want you to hear I want you to feel that you're, you're violating the diversification principle, and that does nothing but increase risk inherently in that. One bad iPhone launch, one bad lawsuit over a tablet or whatever. I don't know what Battery. can happen. I, yeah. mean, <laughs> I have no idea what can happen, but you know, it, it's, they get cancel cultured. I don't know. I don't know how this works. But whatever it is, I just don't want – it's not in your control. You're one of a bazillion employees. You don't control this stock, and so I, I, I wouldn't be as heavy in it as you are, but I will acquiesce and say if I was ever going to be, right. <laughs> good lord, there. You know the, the 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 financial num regardless of what you think of the products or the people or anything else, the financials on that company are blistering good.
2: Yeah, that's a great position to be in. It's Bit crazy. Company. Yeah, it's
0: crazy how much cash they have. It's mind blowing. But yeah. But aside from that, I still, well, I mean, I'm sitting here saying how much I'm a fanboy of their <laughs> stock, and I don't own a single share. That says I follow the principles. I don't buy single stocks at all. And if I was going to, it wouldn't be more than ten percent of my net worth, don't it? Just you can do what you want to do, but I, I'm not doing it. Thanks for the call. Did you know, statistically, when it comes to life insurance and protecting your family, that women are more likely to be uninsured or underinsured than men? This doesn't make any sense. Women make up half the workforce, contribute mightily to family incomes, and in many cases are the breadwinners and take care of their families 24 hours a day. This is one of the most overlooked areas when it comes to financial planning. Maybe it's a relic of the past. But a loss of income or the need to replace family care is equally important for women as it is for men. Single moms, working moms, and stay-at-home moms all need term life insurance. you are in the chicken little camp, whether you think the sky is falling, you're in the right place. We sell helmets. We're here to help. It's uh, it's not falling. The apocalypse is not here. The housing market's not going to crash. This is not 2008. And even if it was, you would survive it. I did. And many others did. Uh, I know it's not what you're hearing on the news because there's a lot of politics underlying a lot of news reports, like all of them. One side or the other, they're trying to trump up or drum up or dumb down or whatever it is they do. So clickbaits in the headlines. You're going to die! You know, you're not. Um, not from that, anyway. you got to look at the facts. Most of what's happening is simple supply and demand. There's a huge spike in home buying demand in the last couple of years. There weren't enough houses. Prices go up. Housing slows down. Demand slows down. Prices even out. They quit going up so fast. If there's a whole lot less demand, like if nobody's buying houses and there's an oversupply of inventory, then prices will go down. However, inventory is one-fourth of what it was in 2008, and demand is currently 4X. So there would have to be a dramatic shift for prices to go down. Calm down. If you haven't seen it, we want you to watch it. You can watch the replay of the RamseySolutions.com event that Rachel Cruz, George Campbell, and I did about the real estate market, the real estate reality check, RamseySolutions.com slash reality check. It is completely free. It's about an hour. No, it's exactly an hour long. I actually ended up hitting the clock, oddly enough, and uh, which with a live stream you don't have to do. But I did it anyway. So there you go. Uh, they were airing it on TBN, and it helped TBN to hit the clock. I told them, I'm not sure if we'll hit the clock or not, but we'll try. And then I had a clock up there, and I'm a radio guy. I just ended up hitting it. That's impressive. Well, I don't know. It might be somewhat <laughs> accidental, but um, like we ran out of stuff to say or something like that. But if we had a lot more to say, we'd have kept yakking. But uh, I, think sure we said, I think we had said it. So there you go. Uh, jump in here. The phone number is 888 Beth from Michigan emails in a question. Does a life insurance policy end when the term is over, or can I renew it indefinitely? If I renew, will the price go up?
2: Ooh, good question. You, we definitely recommend term life insurance. Usually you establish that on the front end, 10-year, 15-year, 20-year term. And typically, I believe, correct me if I'm wrong, Dave, that you have to renew. If you finish that term, you've got to go through the medical underwriting again just to make sure that you're in good health and to get
0: a new term. Most term is renewable. You can buy what's called renewable term, and it can, some of that is renewable without medical. Some of it will require medical depending on what it is, how expensive it is. But if you have a five-year term, basically the policy is a, for a term of five years. It ends in five years. And the, you will be older in five years, so the price will go up because you're older. And the older you are statistically, the more likely you are to die. So life insurance goes up as you get older. And so if you have an ART, an annual renewable term, it goes up every year because you get older every year. Uh, We recommend 15 to 20-year level term insurance because what they've done is they've averaged out the number of times people drop a policy, buy a policy, don't renew a policy, all that kind of stuff. And a 20-year level term is cheaper than the average of 20 years of annual renewable term. Okay? Okay you would think that because annual renewable term is much cheaper at the front end but you would think it'd be right in the middle for 20 years if you took a 20-year graph and it goes up every year for 20 years You're right in the middle would be the 20-year average right and so it would average out exactly the same no it's cheaper for the insurance company to cover you and they pass that savings on so the cheapest way to buy life insurance is a 15 to 20 year 15 or 20 year level term policy uh, now if you only need the policy for five years uh, for instance, we were building a uh, a twenty five million dollar building next door, okay, and uh, we're about halfway through that building, and my wife goes, "What if you die?" Sure. Which she does ever so often. <laughs> what if you die? <laughs> and so we went and bought a five year, ten million dollar policy. Uh, she, we had the money, but she wanted to make sure that building didn't burden her little self. With the other stuff. She didn't want any of the other stuff that we'd laid out messed with because of that building. And so the so that was a business reason to buy a shorter term. But in most family situations, you're trying to get the kids grown and gone, get the house paid off in 15 years, and you're trying to build some wealth. So in 15 years, you become an everyday millionaire. Your house is paid off, and the kids are grown and gone in 20 years or 15 years, right? Like you got little ones, what age? One and three. One in three. So 20 years from today, you have a 21 and 23-year-old. Something happens, you'll be—they'll be okay. They can right. make it. They right. can make it. You'll have enough money for them to finish out college. So a twenty-year will be just fine for you. Fifteen could leave you a little bit shaky, right? right? But you don't need a thirty because you don't need to cover your family for a thirty-one-year-old being at home because they need to leave, right? You know. So there's that, right? So that—that's what we're doing, and, and so it gets the kids in and out, out of the grown and out of the house, which is that way the spouse that's left behind is taken care of. Uh, and it doesn't take as much because you don't have any kids to raise. Right now, you're at the highest point of insurance need you'll ever have in your whole life. Right at your point. At me, I'm at the lowest point. Uh, no responsibilities and a big pile of money. There you go. I mean, so I'm at the lowest point, right? And so Sharon's perfectly fine. We don't we don't need term life insurance. On but a term is for a term, and that's what we recommend. Fifteen to twenty. Go to xanderinsurance.com. Z a n d e r zanderinsurance.com they're an independent agent they'll shop a bazillion of these term companies, get you the best deal on a 15 or a 20. You got uh, a 10 year old a 12 year old you need a 15 year policy you don't need a 20.
2: right and the goal is after that 15 to 20 years is you're basically self-insured right like you've got enough in your account that if anything happens your spouse is taken care of and it's not an emergency.
0: Yeah 20 years from today um, something happens to your husband something happens to you. The house is paid for because you're on a 15-year mortgage or less right okay the kids are grown and gone almost no liability there okay financial liability okay and you've been investing in your 401k for 15 years so you got 700 800 grand so if you die at 50 years old and the kids are grown and gone everything's paid off and there's a pile of money you become self-insured by getting out of debt and investing and so you've done away with your permanent need for insurance. You need permanent insurance. The only people who say that are people that sell that crap. Mm. The only permanent need for insurance is your agent's need for a commission. They're always they always have that. So we we want you to get fifteen to twenty year level term. It's what I had when my kids were little. It's what you've got now. I'm sure, yep. um, and, and it fits with your stage of life and what's going on, and that's what you look for. But term insurance is for a. Term. If it's one year term, it's one, five, five, ten, ten. Renewable, not renewable. Almost all term insurance nowadays is renewable. Uh, the only question is whether a medical is needed, and it almost and it all will go up upon the renewal. So if you keep a twenty year level term and then you want to renew it, it's probably going to be cheaper to actually go buy a new policy.
2: That was going to be my question: Is yeah. it better to just get a new policy at that yeah. point, or
0: because they jack that? What they had to do is they had to estimate the rate. 20 years ago when they wrote the thing and the rates every year have come down and so it's probably a higher rate than a brand new policy because every year they've adjusted the actuarial tables uh, and and term life insurance has been progressively over 30 years of doing this show it's gotten cheaper not every single year but over time it's gotten cheaper because uh, people are living longer they're healthier in general I I know we can argue about that but I mean overall the The average death age is older, and the tables they were using 30 years ago to write these things were from the 40s and 50s, and now they're using tables from the 70s, 80s, 90s, and so you got a lot different situation.
2: Do you have any recommendations or encouragement for somebody who has a pre-existing condition or has had some medical history?
0: Uh, Call Xander and make sure that your assumption that it's going to mess up your insurance is true, okay? Okay because a lot of stuff that they wouldn't cover, you couldn't get an insurance cover. Somebody that was five years uh, clean of cancer, you couldn't get it 30 years ago. Now you can get it. Okay, That kind of thing. So sometimes people think things that'll keep them from getting coverage. Make sure you actually can't get coverage and then deal with that situation. But you'd be amazed the number of people they will cover now and in what situations. Two biggest problems you got out there right now in getting covered is smoking and obesity. And these are like rampant and that messes you up messes up your rate big time double triple as much this is the ramsey show Open phones this hour! Christina Ellis, Ramsey, personality number one best-selling author, is my co-host today in the lobby of Ramsey Solutions on the debt free stage. Nate and Jamie are with us. Hey guys, how are you?
3: Good, how are you?
0: Dave, this is great. We are so honored to have you. Where do you live? Hudsonville, Michigan. And what is that near? It's just outside
4: of your favorite city, Grand Rapids. I love Grand Rapids. You're right. Very cool. Well, good to have you guys visit Nashville. Thank you. Thanks for being here. And how much debt have you paid off? We paid off $118,000. dollars woo
0: And how long did this take? It took us 24 and a half months. 24 months. love it. Oh, solid two years. And your range of income during that time? 80 to 128,000. Cool. What do y'all do for a living? I'm in sales. Mm-hmm.
3: I take care of adults with severe mental disabilities.
0: Mm-hmm. Okay. Cool. It's so good to have y'all. Thank you. Thanks for being here. So, what kind of debt was this? 118,000? Dave, we paid off the house. No way! <laughs> Did it. Looking at weird people! <laughs> Normal is broke and mortgaged to the hill, and you, not you two. You're weird. You are paid off, baby. Done. Wow. And they're young. How that's old are impressive. you guys? I'm 33.
1: I'm 31.
0: Oh, my God. <laughs> and I paid for... Oh, you're super weird. Thank you. <laughs> I like it. So, uh, how much is this house worth? Uh, it's about 360. I love it. How much you got in retirement? Uh, about 125. All right, man. Half a millionaire. On your way to being Baby Steps millionaires. Hopefully by 40. Yep, beautiful. That's the plan. Beautiful. You're right on track. Very well done. All right. Tell us the story. What happened two years ago? And... Uh, How'd you get connected to all this Ramsey stuff?
4: Yeah, so really this all started in high school. Um, My high school took or had a financial peace course that I took. So Mm -hmm. shout out Mrs. Dawson. That kind of lit the fire back in the day. Oh, Mrs. Dawson! Look what you did! (laughs) It kind of lit the fire, but as a high school kid, you really don't take all that to heart so much. But it kind of got me Dave-ish, right? So my wife and I, we kind of stayed in minimal debt, I would say. But then two years ago, I kept getting emails from my... uh, my mortgage provider being like, hey, do you want to refinance? Do you want to refinance? So I actually sat down and looked at the numbers and realized how little we've paid off on our mortgage in the five years we were there. And I was shocked. Like, this is ridiculous. We've paid off $7,000 over five years. So I started looking at what we make and what we owe. And I came home. I'm like, we can do this in three years. Let's just knock this out. And then it just becomes more and more infectious. I got plugged into the podcast. I would go on walks every day. I'd listen to you for hours, just get super excited at the debt-free screams. And just got pumped, and here we are. Jamie, sounds like you developed a problem. <laughs>
5: you know,
2: a little bit, but when you're passionate about it, you just keep going. So <laughs>
0: there he goes. Yep. There he goes exactly. again. Exactly.
2: That's impressive, guys. 118024 months. That is quick. Yeah. What kind of things did y'all do to get out of debt?
4: So the big thing for me is I picked up side jobs. There's so much opportunity out there right now for people to make more money. I did DoorDash. I worked for a buddy who does fireworks. I helped him do fire professional professional fireworks shows. I donated plasma. Really, there's so much opportunity out there just to go make a little extra money. And we were bringing in an extra thousand fifteen hundred dollars 1500 a week just in side jobs. Wow. And we did that for about a year, the last year. Once we found out we were pregnant with our, with our little Lainey over there, we really went ham for the final... Uh, eight to nine months. You want to bring her home to a paid-for house? You (laughs) betcha. You betcha. Yep.
2: And I just picked up, I mean, at the beginning of COVID, when no one was working, I'm in healthcare, so I worked a lot of extra hours, like 50, 60 hours a week, and just my whole paychecks would go straight toward the principal, and just, and once I found out... And you were helping
0: people when they were the scaredest of Exactly.
2: Once I found out I was pregnant, I did cut back a little bit, but um, for the most part, just... Oh worked my. many many hours.
4: Yep, <laughs> and all the government inflation checks that they sent us during COVID, we just put those yep. right toward the mortgage. Got right a lot of so. bonuses. There you go,
0: countrywide. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I like it. <laughs> Throwing okay. it right at it. Get rid of it. Way to go, you guys! Mm-hmm. Wow. wow, y'all are weird. <laughs> <laughs> but you're completely free. We are. Yeah. 33 years old and no payments. It's
4: it's an amazing feeling. It really is. It it hits me at these little weird moments just like, man, this is mine. I'm here with my family and my friends and my kid. and like, It's just a sense of peace
0: that I didn't know was possible. It really is. You didn't even know it was missing. Nope. It's so subtle and normalized in our culture. Mm -hmm. But then when you're free, you just look around and go, these poor people, they don't know. (laughs) <laughs> the rest of them he mentions that all the time <laughs> they just don't know they don't know you want to grab them and go no well you get the opportunity to scream your debt free that'll wake up that'll <laughs> wake you up that'll wake up a couple of them hopefully oh my gosh Yeah. So, what, do you, what do you tell people? The key to getting out of debt is. Like I said, for us it was work. There's yeah. so much
4: opportunity now, especially now. that There's all this. What recession. was your best job? The one that made the most money.
0: Uh, door dashing, yeah. delivering
4: food. I would. Average, How much
0: could you make door dashing? I was averaging
4: twenty-five to thirty dollars an hour doing that, and wow. I would do that most nights and on the weekend. So there was weeks I would pull in over a thousand dollars doing just that.
2: That's impressive. And that's cool that it's like something anybody could do. So it is, there's yep. no
4: excuse. It's, really. it's, yeah, you're not, it's not a second job per se. It's something you can turn it on and turn it off. Yep. Yeah. But now that we're done with all that, once once the baby came and the house was paid off, it's like, nope, yep. we're just going to yep. go back to work in our 40-hour jobs and just enjoy life, enjoy yeah. each other. You got a lot of time now. It's, <laughs> <Yeah>. it's amazing. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. You figure out
2: what to do with your free time now. It's, it's great. <laughs> who are your biggest cheerleaders in the process?
4: Uh, for me, it's my best friend Kyle over there. Uh, he's mm-hmm. one who I share all of life with. And uh, I think he probably knows more about my finances than I do, but it was uh, it was great to have him along on the
0: journey, and he, he could come along with us today. Yeah, oh. that's cool. That's fun that he made it down. That's yeah.
4: neat.
2: Yeah, great job to you too, Kyle. Yeah, <laughs>
0: excellent, excellent, excellent work. Well, you guys are absolutely incredible. You're an, you're an inspiration, man. I mean, Thank this you. can be done. Wow.
2: What a legacy to leave your baby to. Y'all so, are going to have so much freedom moving forward, and it's just, whew, yeah. what a sigh of relief to have... Nothing to worry about. No yep. financial stress. You don't owe anything to anyone. That's just a beautiful way to mm-hmm. step forward. Yeah,
4: but I want to be able to take my daughter on trips and be able to see the world, so she can make her worldview on what the world really is, right? Instead of who's screaming the loudest on Twitter, who's screaming the loudest on Facebook. If she can see different cultures, meet different people, and build that worldview from her actual personal experience based on what she sees from social media, mm-hmm. I, I think that's what really excites me about this. That we can, yeah, we can be free and we can go live and we can go do things and not mm-hmm. have to worry about how's that mortgage going to get paid. It's just, a, it's an amazing feeling.
0: And she'll probably discover what the rest of us have, that uh, whoever's screaming the loudest usually has the least to say. <laughs> yeah. Wow. That's great. You guys are incredible. Very, very, very well done. This is beautiful. Fabulous, fabulous You job. mentioned
2: a trip. Do you have anything planned?
0: Uh, not yet. She's a little no. young. Yeah. Um, we're hoping when she's a little older, maybe
4: go to Mexico or Europe or wherever, really. That's Any, all. Anywhere, yeah. anywhere you want to go. Anywhere yeah. we want to go.
0: Don't have a payment in the world. No. Yeah. There's a lot of the financial peace. It's it always works. Now you connected Ramsey. You said through the podcast, yeah, only? or yeah, mainly the podcast. And then I did sign up for the free
4: trial of Ramsey Plus, and I took the uh, we took the the class there just okay. to kind of refresh it. So you've
0: been oh you've been through financial peace. I yeah. Well, high school, you said. That's yes, right. yeah,
4: okay. yeah. Yep. It was kind of a slacker course at the time, but I'm glad I took it. It really plant it planted that. <laughs> Nothing against you, Dave, but I planted that seed.
0: <laughs> I'm a slacker, course.
4: <laughs> but, it, but I planted that seed as a high school kid. That really just stayed with me for the past 20 years, and I'm so thankful that I did take the time to take that course. It really changed the, the whole projection of our lives.
0: Well, what it did is it made, you want, it made you wonder if you could be debt-free, and most people don't even wonder about yeah. it. And later on, you went, wait a minute, I think there was a guy who said I could do that. Yeah. The funny ones are the tweets from the kids in the class in high school. I read one this morning. It's like, coach so-and-so don't do nothing. All he does is turn on these gum Dave Ramsey videos and walks out of the room. My real teacher's a video. It's like hilarious. But, but yeah. I think there needs to be more of that in high school. Like, kids
4: aren't taught that. They get into the real world with college debt. Like, with you, Christina, they get into the real world and they're just, they just don't understand what it means and, and what it all takes to pay these debts off and these loans. And I had that seed planted in me then, so... I was fortunate enough to graduate college debt free. She graduated mainly debt free, so we started off on a good A good forward step and just kept going.
0: Hats off to our foundations and personal finance crew here that puts it in high schools. 48% of the high schools in America have now taught it. So it's good stuff. All right, Nate and Jamie and Laney, we got a copy of Baby Steps Millionaires for you. That is the next chapter in your story. Copy of Total Money Makeover for you to give away, get somebody else started, and another year to Financial Peace University membership. The new videos are on there. You can give that to someone, get them started, because I'm sure – yeah, uh, you people are uh, have heard you talk about this, I bet. So there you go, Nate and Jamie and Laney, Hudsonville, Michigan, one hundred eighteen thousand paid off in twenty four months, house and everything. They're weirdos, making eighty to one twenty eight. Count it down. Let's hear a debt free scream. Three, Three, two, one. one. We're debt free. Laney looks like she's ready to go to Mexico. <laughs> Christina Ellis, number one best-selling author, Ramsey Personalities, my co-host today as we answer your questions about your life and your money, Nelson's in San Francisco. Hi, Nelson. How are you? Hi, Dave. How do you do? Better than we deserve, sir. How can we help? I have to say, Dave, first
5: of all, it's such an honor to so have gotten the chance to speak to you. you I too. started to think where we would be had it not from been for my wife and your teachings. Thank you so much for everything. Well, thank you. I have a quick question. Um, Both Marius and I currently own a very small Montessori preschool here in San Francisco, and uh, we're very fortunate. We have the wait list, and we are trying to expand. It's our first time looking for a commercial spot here. And, you know, looking for a commercial spot also means that um, we have to do the renovation. So I was wondering if you can give us some advice as regards to the do's and don'ts of lease negotiation and that we'll would just start us actually if we should find an architecture or a designer or a contractor.
0: Well, are you going to try to, you're going to try to rent an existing building you're saying, and, um, then just redesign it for the use of the school, right? Correct. So we have to do the flooring, the floor plan, the bathroom for the children. Mm. Mm-hmm. Okay. Well, obviously, um, uh, the more time you spend shopping, the more likely you are to find something that is closer to usable, that requires the least mm. renovation. That's our best bet. Mm. Okay, if you're moving into a typical commercial setting, um, they're going to lease it to you and include a certain amount of TI tenant improvements. And so, okay. yes, I heard of this. Yeah, so like we own commercial property that we lease out, and when we lease to a tenant. We'll give them so many dollars a square foot of TI for a three-year lease, more dollars per square foot of TI for a five-year lease. In other words, the landlord is putting up a lot of the renovation costs in, form, in the form of tenant improvements built into the lease. Now, obviously, I, I as the landlord, am going to recoup that out of you in rents during that time. Mm-hmm. But it's our way of investing because a lot of small businesses, like we own some strip centers and stuff like that, that have a simple bay in them. And a lot of small businesses that want to rent out in that bay don't have $300,000 to renovate it. Mm -hmm. Okay, so we might put in depending on the lease terms and whatever. I mean, we might put in 100000 bucks or something, but that's then built into or capitalized into the lease. We get our money back over the period of that lease, and we get rent. So it's built into it. But that's a normal carrot to dangle for a commercial landlord to draw in someone is a certain amount of TI. And what I would be looking for is a situation where the TI will cover your renovation. And so, I see. you know, uh, uh, and... A lot of landlords uh, have a, you know, they have a uh, a contractor to do the renovation, a designer to do the renovation in their pocket in a good way. In other words, it's handy. Like I've got a guy we use at most of ours in most of ours, And so if you want to do that, we'll just go, okay, so-and-so over here. He can roll in there and throw up those studs, put in the dance floor for your dance studio or whatever it is, and this is what it's going to – you know, he runs out of bid on the restrooms the way you want them in this situation that aren't – or that way they have to be modified to fit your situation with children going to be there and so forth. And uh, all of that added together then, we add it up and go, okay, there's the budget. Well, our TI covers all but $20,000 of that, and you got to come up with that extra twenty, and we cover the first – whatever or, you know as the landlord and that's that's really the way you get into the lease and and but again if I've got something there uh that uh, okay I have a, a a daycare in one of ours okay and if that daycare were to move out and you were to move in there wouldn't be a lot of retro As a matter of fact, if you really wanted to tough it out, you could probably just move in. And what I would have put up as TI, I can give you as discounted rent then. Because I don't have to write those checks for your construction to get you as a tenant. So I'll just give you some discounted rent as a result. Um, And that's not unusual. So I'm really, in your case, looking for something more like that than I am this massive, glorious, uh, glass box somewhere that you start from scratch and have to draw up and build every little element of it because that gets really expensive.
2: Dave, what's the best way to search for a commercial property to rent? Is it through a traditional real estate agent? Or are there certain people that can help you, a certain place to go?
0: A commercial real estate agent. Um, and again, they specialize a lot of those, a, a lot of them make their living on leases just like this. And they get paid by the landlord a percentage of the lease uh, commission, uh, you know when the lease is built out and so we'll pay if a real estate agent has brings us as the landlord uh, a tenant we do the tenant improvement we pay them so we get a lot of out of pocket to move somebody in there uh, uh in a lot of cases but um yeah the co- there are commercial agents that don't do any houses and all they do is make their living leasing space okay and it's a pretty good living if they're in a situation like you know he's out in san francisco that's some high dollar stuff and you know, if you're working that, they may be exclusively that. They may not sell property at all. They may only work leases. Uh, it's not unusual at all in a market that size to find people that make their whole living doing that in a very specialized way. But what you've got to do, you've got to go out there and kick the tires and turn over the rocks and find, you know, be shopping and calling, messing around, poking around um, to find the thing that's the best fit. Because if you just go to the, again, the gleaming shiny glass box and go from ground up, it's going to be expensive it's going to be very hard to make the move and you're trying to expand your business at the same time trying to make a bigger school so very 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 difficult open phones at triple eight eight two five five two two five. 825 5225 linda's in omaha nebraska hi linda how are you
3: i'm good dave we love your show and your people and you and all that
0: thank you ma'am how can we help
3: okay just curious um what percentage should your residential rent be of your income if you're 75 with no debt and in good health for 75?
0: Score. Good for you.
3: <laughs> Still living.
0: Still <laughs> kicking around. Yeah,
3: right. <laughs> Just, you know, with the way the rents might be going up and all that.
0: Oh, they are going up. Well, I know, a- you,
2: you used to always say like 25%. Exactly. Yeah, we usually recommend that you don't spend more than 25% of your take-home pay on housing, just that you still have that flexibility in your budget to do other things and not be strapped.
0: Yeah, and and, um, why have you you not bought something?
2: Well,
3: I have that, but with my age, I wanted to get, you know, just down to something simple, apartment.
0: Mm Mm-hmm. Well, why don't you get down to something simple, a condo that you own?
3: Well... I just that's a thought that's a thought
0: do you uh you have you what's your net worth
3: um around a million
0: good for you good for you
3: good job linda
0: are you selling a house or what are you doing yeah well how much are you getting out of the house not much okay so you're gonna have to I'm, use you'd have to use some of your million to buy a condo what can you buy a decent little one-bedroom condo that you would have rented anyway in omaha for
3: I don't know. I really haven't looked at that. I was just figuring what percentage of income.
0: Mm-hmm.
3: And the income fluctuates.
0: But well, here here's the problem, okay? Statistically, since you're 75 and in such good shape, you're probably going to make 90. Oh. <laughs> and that's 15 years of rent increases. Yeah. And I, I'm not, I'm, that you know, your largest item, all of us in our budget, is housing. In most mm-hmm. cases, and if yeah. housing—if your largest item's going up every year for 15 years—I mean, think back 15 years when you were 60. Oh yeah. What rents were? I mm-hmm. I don't right. want that to happen to you in the in, in your last 15, 20 years or whatever it is you got. Uh, so that's why I'm saying if you buy a little condo, you're locking it in. No more cost increases.
3: Yeah, I see what you're
0: saying. You're free, you're, you know, you're, you're, the only thing that's going to increase your HOAs will go up your, you know, taxes, insurance, that kind of stuff. You can't keep that from happening. But the actual monthly rent is going to increase when you are a renter. So long-term renting is, I mean, uh, that's assuming you're going to make it that long, but you sound like you're doing pretty good.
2: Well, and with, <laughs> a, <laughs> with a net worth of a million dollars, she could buy that in cash,
0: too. Yeah, buy a buy $150,000, $200,000 yeah. condo in Omaha. You'd be in pretty good shape. and uh, and that's pretty simple, and you've locked in your costs that way. That's what I think about. This is The Ramsey Show.
2: Have you been inspired to make a change with your money? Want to know where to start? Take our three minute money quiz to get a plan you can follow. Go to RamseySolutions.com and search for Get Started to get a plan for your money.